guys, welcome back to the Prehistoric Life Podcast. I'm your host, Eric Crawford, and this is the first time y'all actually get to see my face. Hello. Um, here, as you see, we have... Actually, it's on that side. Um, would you like to introduce yourself or... No, what's up, guys? Uh, I'm Sergey Merkulov. You guys may know me as a Russian archaeologist, uh, big paleontologist in archaeology and historian. Uh, Eric contacted me a while ago about being on the podcast, and I thought it sounded incredible. So we're finally here, and we get to talk about, well, just basically everything I do and that he does, and we can kind of just go over everything. Here's this Instagram for anybody who wants to check it out. It's kind of blurry. So please go check out his content. It's really amazing. So I guess the usual question I ask everybody to start off is, what's your favorite dinosaur? Favorite dinosaur. Now this is gonna be this is gonna be a pretty pretty hot take, but I know it's not really a dinosaur, but I love the mosasaur. Mosasaur, that prehistoric reptiles, dinosaurs, prehistoric animals in general. That's I accept them want, all. If you want a favorite, accept them all. I'm pretty basic. T Rex. That's gotta go. Like you can't go wrong with the T Rex. Fair enough. One of my favorite is actually I keep one. I keep a couple right above my desk. Is the Allosaurus. Oh, Allosaurus is a good one. I love Allosaurus. I got a lot of stuff just about Allosaurus just around. So, no. I Go guess ahead. We should, we should just start off. I mean, what do you do? What so is basically, it that you do? So, I've been studying for over 10 years now on everything paleontology, archaeology. I know just about anything about everything. And for the past almost 11 years now, so over a decade, I've been going out and finding fossils and artifacts from all over the world. And in the recent years, I've been making videos about it and teaching people about the things that I find and why they're significant. Uh, thank you for making the videos because I always love watching them. Those always brighten my day whenever I see one of your clips pop up and I'm like, what is this man doing now? Because one day you'll be at the bottom of a river, the next day you'll be in the middle of god knows we're looking at a building and it's always just very interesting to see what you're finding so no i appreciate i appreciate that i always like to switch it up a bit kind of don't be stale i never like to do the same thing twice sometimes i'll upload like similar clips or similar places two days in a row but you'll never find me in the same place two days in a row it it gets inevitable eventually things will kind of start to seem a little bit similar i mean Sometimes I feel a little bit redundant, but I always try not to do the same dinosaur. Funny story about that. I've done a Margosaurus like two or three times, apparently. And I used to not keep as good a track as I try to now. And I actually have a website now, so it's a lot easier. This is a little search feature and I can just type in whatever dinosaur before I do it to see if I've actually done it before. So I'm not doing the same one three times. But I always just love coming home. Even if I'm tired, I'm just like, I'm doing a podcast today. I love it. And I mean, talking to another content creator alone is always fun, but talking to someone else who is a content creator who also does what you talks about, what you love is even big, even bigger. Yeah, I'm glad you so, enjoy it. I do a lot of Miocene stuff. Um, so I'm super educated on a lot of, you know, Jurassic and what have you, but my biggest, like my biggest knowledge I'd say would be like the Miocene, so around 20 million years. 
Um, 20 million years. Oop, I'm trying to find that on my little chart here. Here, I'll put it out for all of you. 20 million years was about here. The Miocene area was about here. And so not that, not that long ago. 20 million years is 20 million years, but it's weird to think that that's actually not that far in time compared to like the Jurassic era. No, it's not. It's kind of right there. Because it's kind of hard to put that in perspective because you say 20 million years, you're like, oh, 20. 20 is not that big of a number, but it's also a million years, like 20 million years. And I, it always blows my mind that like sharks are like how old they are. No, they're older than trees. It's the coolest thing. It's really crazy to think about that. I mean, I don't know if you've watched it. There's a new series on Netflix out called, um, what was it? Life on our planet. No, not familiar. Uh, Morgan Freeman actually um, voice acts it, which is – or not voice acts it, narrates it because voice acting would be the character. Um, it's really cra- – it's like basically just goes from like here's the beginning of life, here we are now. And it just goes everything in between it. And I personally love it, loved it. It was an amazing show. Morgan Freeman all <laughs> – you can't go wrong with Morgan Freeman. No, you can't. I mean – So you said you were stationed out in Florida or stationed. You kind of venture around Florida. Yeah, so I do a lot of work in Florida, but I kind of nomad around. Uh, recently, I've been going up north towards like South Carolina and North Carolina. And and I'm planning to go even further north as well as like Peru and what have you in the next coming months. Wow. So you're going out. You're going out of the country. Yeah. Um. You said you had a museum opening up in Florida, right? Yeah, I'm working on it right now. I have a large warehouse that I'm planning to stock with fossils, artifacts, different stuff that I've found and collected throughout the years. And I'm planning to open it up as a free museum for the public. And again, it's kind of just an idea. It's in the it's in the workings right now. But um, that's probably something that you're going to hear more about in the few the next coming years. Hey, just give me a text when it opens up. I'll try to get down there. I'd love to check that out. No, for sure. You got it. I mean, the Fossil Crates people, I told you about them before we uh, interviewed. They're out in Arizona, if I'm not mistaken. I'm probably going to get a text from him later saying that we're not in Arizona and we're in somewhere else. Um, So I got to go out there sometime and go check out his museum, too. So I've got a lot of museums to check out from people. Um. So I know we had to postpone it because you hurt your knee. You want to talk about that a little bit about what happened there? Cause I'm sure that was definitely eventful. Oh no, that was a great story. So I'd been to North Carolina. Um, that's where it happened. And a few months ago, I'd gone to my first trip to North Carolina and I'd found a bunch of amazing stuff. In fact, I'd found my first ever six inch Megalodon teeth on that dive. And then here it is the viral Megalodon teeth. And a bunch of other really cool stuff. And I met really awesome people who invited me back up. And so about a week after I got back from that first trip, I decided to pack up my car and go back again and stay with a buddy. And we're planning to do a weekend trip and go diving on a river in North Carolina. 
And we had gone for the first day and found some incredible stuff. We'd found tons of whale bones, uh, shark teeth, angustitans, um, a mosasaur tooth, just a bunch of really awesome stuff. And the next day rolled around. We were supposed to stay there for three days. And on the second day, we went to a new diving spot on the river that we'd never been to before. And we were, you know, it was the middle of our trip, so we were kind of super hyped. We'd been getting a bunch of incredible stuff. And the story goes is I, we get to a spot and we all unpack and start diving. And throughout this dive, we're not really finding much, but a few of my buddies are pulling up some really small teeth. So they opt to stay put and keep diving. And I decide to venture down ways, like down river a little bit more. So I take my dive gear, which is an electric hookah system, which allows an electric pump to give me air while I'm underwater. And so I venture about a thousand feet down river to a little bend in the river. And so I get my hookah gear on, I get down there. And the first thing I found, I think it's right here, was a fragment of a six inch megalodon tooth. That's and that, always a find. The first thing I found was a fragment of six inch meg tooth. And so I keep diving, I keep kind of going around and I put that tooth in my bag. And as I'm going, I run out of oxygen, which isn't really a big deal. So I decide to surface. And so I bend my knees and I try to shoot up to go back up to the surface. And while I'm doing so, I hit my knee on something. And it later turned out to be a large piece of whale bone sticking out of the sediment. And it pierced my knee. It pierced my patellar tendon. But I didn't know that at the time. It kind of just hurt a lot. Um, like it feels like when you bump your knee on something, and your leg kind of tingles a little bit. So I kept diving. I didn't really think much of it. I changed my battery. And as the day progressed, my knee got worse and worse and worse to the point when the day was over, I could not walk. I could not bend that knee. But again, I still just thought I'd bruised it really badly. So I didn't think much of it. We'd gotten back to my friend's house, still in North Carolina. And then again, we had another day of diving ahead of us. And by that time, like I could not bend my knee, not even an inch. It was an unbearable pain. And I decided to go to sleep and you know, see if it felt better in the morning. And that night was terrible. That was probably one of the worst nights of my life because I could not sleep. The pain was so intense. And that morning, I woke up at like five in the morning and I tried to walk down the stairs of my friend's house and go out to my car and get some like ibuprofen or something. And while I was doing so, the pain was just so excruciating. After the first step, I just yelled out in pain. And everyone from inside the house, my friend, my girlfriend, they all came running out and like, yeah, we got to go to the hospital. So I ended up going to the hospital and I waited for several hours to get treated. And it turned out I, the bone had pierced my patellar tendon and it had given me a septic infection in my joint, of my, which if not treated would most definitely made me, my, my leg would have to be amputated if that was not treated right away. It was an extremely severe infection. And I'm lucky I went that day because had I waited like I wanted to, my girlfriend forced me to go to the hospital, but I wanted to just let it be. If I had waited, I probably would have lost my leg. And so, not be I, fun. yeah, I could not walk for weeks. It was terrible. I couldn't make content. I was bedridden. It was probably some of the worst, like the, the worst time of my life. But nowadays, as you can see, I'm still making content and doing stuff. So it wasn't that bad. Well, looking back at it, but it was still sucked. Yeah, that definitely sounds like it was painful. So I'm <sighs> good thing you went when you did. I mean, yeah, that, that's it's pretty. It was pretty. But anywho, I'm all good now. Uh, still some minor pain that's probably going to stay for life, but it's not interfering with anything. So, not uh, as Nigel Marvin says, a scar is a badge of honor for adventurers.
Yeah, that's 100% true. I mean, you're talking about megalodon teeth. I mean, I've got mine here, and I've got some papers from the fossil crate people, people just about the megalodon. No, I have, a, I have a huge bowl of megalodon fragments that I got here in Florida. Like, we get thousands out here. Like, there's little, there's small pieces. There's big pieces. Uh, I got big fragments of megalodon teeth. But most of the stuff we get in Florida are, like, little tiny. Little tiny shark teeth. I got some of those here, too. Well, like most keep them get, on camera. We get a lot of really small teeth here. Yeah, I can. I, I Probably from just being a peninsula like that, you probably just get a lot of shark teeth that just wash up in general. Can you still hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. You're fine. Yeah, I got a phone call. So, I'm sorry. So the thing about um, Florida is Florida was a shallow ocean. And the most interesting part is that the reason we get so many small megalodon teeth, like we just get little tiny teeth, is that Florida was a shallow ocean. And a lot of the bigger megalodon females would come from I think he's been getting a call with somebody else. We'll just so as you're saying, Florida's just a shallow ocean. I I'm gonna go ahead and take a guess of saying that it's gonna be some kind of nursery for uh megalodons. So they come and nurse up there. Do not quote me on that. He will I guess he's down there. Um down there for which way? Down there. <laughs> a little confusing. Down there for right now. Um he'll be back in a second. Uh so here's my megalodon tooth. Hey, can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Yeah, sorry, someone called me and it was cutting I'm me out. Just improvising. That was improvised. Yeah, so basically what I was saying was that Florida was a shallow ocean, and the big thing was that big megalodon females from North Carolina and what was or what will be North Carolina or that deep ocean would come to Florida, which was like almost it was very similar to the Bahamas, very clear, shallow blue water. And they would have their children here, have their babies. And they would go back to North Carolina and like that area and they would leave their babies on their own to hunt on their own. And so these babies, as they would hunt small dolphins and stuff in these shallow waters, would lose a lot of their tiny baby teeth. And the only reason that people find big, giant megalodon teeth in Florida is because these were shedded by the mothers that came here. And so that's why these are so rare, because a megalodon female had to shed one of these. The babies shed tons of tiny teeth. But every once in a while, you find one of those big mother teeth. And so, again, they went back to North Carolina and they would have more children. And that's where the big teeth are. So that's why Florida is known for little tiny megalodon teeth. <laughs> Funny enough, you um, you cut out there. Uh, I just took an inference and said that um, it was just like a megalodon nursery. Yeah, exactly. It was a megalodon nursery. So, I mean, I would assume that like that sh sharks love that shallow water for like their babies, don't they? So yeah, so it's it was full of small dolphins, stingrays, just different. You know, a, a baby megalodon would have been around the size of a cow, and so they had those little tiny teeth, and they had to have small food. And again, North Carolina was full of massive whales and different stuff for the big sharks to eat, but again, the babies could not eat any of that. And again, in Florida, that small shallow water megalodons couldn't have enough food there. Again, everything was too small for them to really sustain off of. So one of the things that I noticed from your content, I'm doing a complete 180 here. Um, 
is that you actually found like mammoth molars, didn't you? So I haven't found a complete one yet. I found fragments of mammoth molars. Um, I found spit teeth from mammoths, which are just as the mammoth teeth wear down and new ones grow in, they'll spit out the old worn down chunks of teeth. I found those, but I haven't yet found a complete one. I've been with people who have found complete ones right next to me. Uh, my first ever dive that I did for diving for fossils last year, uh, before I'd even gotten into the water, the, my dive buddy went down and found a complete one that was like probably 20 pounds as like wow it was huge it was massive mammoths were big so they had i would assume fairly big like molars like that yeah their molars are bigger than your head they're incredibly large i've actually got some um like ice age mammoth stuff i got this when i was in alaska so it's probably not anything like what you had it's just like mammoth ivory that they that someone found and harvested Oh, we get a we get a lot of mammoth ivory here. Uh, yeah, people, yeah, we find small chunks of it all the time. Uh, I know some people who have found full tusks, but again, like that Alaska area, the tusks are in perfect condition. Usually, the tusks that are found in the water here in Florida tend to disintegrate. They're in really bad condition, and once you take them out of the water, they tend to just crumble. So people have to get them professionally fixed within a certain matter of time, or they will literally turn to dust within a matter of days. And here I actually have what some kind of mammoth, probably smaller teeth, probably something in the, not not like a baby mammoth, maybe some kind of baby mammoth molar. Yeah, you have to send me. I can't quite see it. Oh, you have to send yeah, me. Yeah, I know it's a little. These are actually all mammoth bones that my cousin gave me. Oh, um, where'd your cousin get those? Uh I think they were a birthday gift from him, and he was like, I, I'm not the person that was supposed to get this, and he just gave them to me one day. So That's pretty neat. And no, yeah. I always accept fossil stuff. So. Here's like a um, bigger kind of bit of mammoth. It's a little hard to see from that small of an angle. Oh, and what is that exactly? Uh, this one? Yes. If I'm being completely honest, I have no idea. Can you flip it for me? Oh, yeah, it's probably better on that side. Oh, it's like a piece of bone or something. I can't quite see. Maybe I'm yeah, wrong. I've got a few things like that where it's a little piece of bone lodged in there so you can't quite tell. No, yeah, I'm um, I'm actually opening a TikTok shop very soon, and I'm going to be selling. Oh, I have a website as well that I'm opening up and then a TikTok shop, and I'm going to be selling fragments of mammoth and whale bone and stuff like backbones, pieces of tibias, fibias. That you find basically. Yeah, it's all stuff that I find. And these are uh, not real smilodon fangs. Um, these are um, the smilodon fangs that fossil crates. I got them from fossil crates too. I love their work. So I just keep them out because they look cool. Oh no, that's incredible. Those are pretty rare to find real ones. My uh, one of my um teachers, he he said that he went on a little thing out in Edisto, and he found part of a Smilodon fang, and the guy and the guide was like, "Let me see that," and he was like, "Oh yeah, this is a Smilodon fang," and apparently the guide just kept it. So, <laughs> which kind of sucks. I mean, that's always something like, well, you know, people find them from now and now and again here in Florida. A lot of people go to the Peace River. And I'm not sure if you're familiar with like the Peace River and like all those Miocene fossils. It's 
it's like the shark tooth capital of the world. Everyone comes to Peace River for fossils. In fact, in the springtime, it's like the height of it when the water's at their lowest. And you'll go down the river and you'll see thousands of people uh, snorkeling and diving and sifting and looking for fossils. And people will get really lucky. They'll find um, some people will get lucky and find six inch teeth like megalodon teeth. Other people will find like mammoth molars with just like scooping it into a sifter. And they'll scoop it up and they'll just see like a mammoth molar, you know, a quarter of the size of a car tire just sitting on this shovel. Like people get really lucky. And again, it's it's a crazy place. I always like wondered like about mammoths, about I mean their time frame was not that far from ours. In fact, weren't the last mammoths around during like Egypt? So the last mammoths died off around 10,000 years ago. And there's actually some, um, here in Florida, there's some sites that I've been to where in the past people have found Native American carvings of mammoth. Uh, there's this one site, I won't say the name of it for the sake of its protection, but around the 1950s, these people were kayaking or canoeing in this freshwater spring. And it's a very popular spring, but they looked in the water and saw what looked like a log with carvings on it. And they had some people come out and they got it out and it turned out to be a 400 pound mammoth tibia wow. with native american carvings into it and no one knows where it went somebody kept it but it was um it was carved into right when it was harvested so it was around 11 or fifteen thousand years old wow. and um, it was uh, the native americans killed the mammoth and while the bone was still fresh they carved into it that's really just odd to think about how like time periods are just i love looking at time periods um because you look at it and you're like you you think it's this oh dinosaurs they went extinct then there were mammals then there were humans but it's they like blended together a little bit like the first mammals were around during like the triassic period yeah which was like the first dinosaur period, proto-dinosaurs, what I usually hear because they're not quite at that stage where their hips are under their legs, but they're still dinosaurs. Yeah. I mean, I... Um, funny enough, the guy who invented the time blocks that referred to it, um, not funny, it's kind of tragic, he... He died from – he fell down a flight of stairs in England, of stone stairs, leaving his university that he was teaching at, which is absolutely wild. Because he got this great guy, and he's like, I discovered the time periods. I broke them up into how these creatures were being organized. And he just falls down a flight of stairs. Didn't die from that. He actually died from, like, a brain hemorrhage the night after. Ooh. That's a tough way to go. Which is always sucks that you hear something like that where it's like, eh, that probably didn't help his case. Um, it was either him or the father of paleontology. The father of paleontology. I did an episode on the Scientology of – or not the Scientology, the um, histiography of paleontology. So I kind of did the history of paleontology. I've actually got my notes right right here. I keep a little journal of 
it it probably looks like gibberish to you because you probably can't even read it. Um, no, I can't see it from here, but it looks interesting. Because you had like the ancient Persians who had their stuff, what they believed in. They the uh, ancient Persian guy he wrote a book, and his was where here it is. Um, during the Middle Ages, fossils were discovered by Persian naturalist Ibn Sina. I'm not good with some of these names, I'm gonna be honest. Known as the Anachean in Europe. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the book of healing in 1027, which proposed a theory of petrified fluids that Albert of Saxony would elaborate on in the uh, 14th century. So in the Chinese thought they were like dragons, which is really crazy to think about. Actually, it's not that crazy. If I found a T-Rex skull and didn't know what a T-Rex was, I'd be like, what is this thing? What what monsters are leaving these? Well, actually, funny enough, most um, that was a really common theme throughout like all civilizations. They kind of associated bones and teeth of these giant creatures to dragons. In fact, the Native Americans in Florida, when they found these megalodon teeth, they thought they were dragon scales or giant snake scales. Because I guess they can kind of see it kind of looks like a scale. But I they would um, do, honestly. And a lot of people asked, why didn't they use these giant teeth as tools and use them for like cutting and arrows and stuff? And that was because they thought these were sacred. Like at least like especially these megalodon teeth, they thought these were sacred and they would use them for ritualistic purposes and stuff. And so you will find a lot of these that don't have any damage on them at all. But in fact, the Native Americans did, in fact, keep them within medicine bags and keep them around their necks and do all sorts of crazy stuff with them. Like I know the Aztecs had Quetzalcoatl as like a god, like a god or something, didn't they? Yeah. So again, they thought they were just giant serpent scales. And I've actually, the site where the mammoth bones was the carvings in it, I did an episode there. I haven't uploaded it. But I found a shark tooth, a small bull shark tooth that had a uh, hole drilled into it where it was, you know, tied around the neck and used as a necklace or a bracelet piece. And I also found like carved bones, um, like different stone tools and what have you. Just a bunch of really interesting stuff. I found shells that were carved. Uh, I found trade shells, which were given to the Native American tribes by the Spanish conquistadors. And again, a lot of these Native American tribes in central Florida had never seen seashells before. Cause again, they were in the middle of Florida, nowhere like probably 50, hundred miles away from the water. So a lot of these tribes had gone generations without ever seeing a seashell before. So when the native, when the uh, Spanish came in with these beautiful pink and blue seashells, the native Americans would give them anything for those seashells. And so the Spanish would trade with the native Americans for all sorts of crazy stuff. And so throughout the site, I found lots of broken up shell fragments that again, the Native Americans basically used as money. They would take these shells and they would smash them into pieces sometimes, and they would trade these fragments of seashells for tools and food and all sorts of crazy stuff. So I, this is actually one of the many boxes I keep around my room full of just fossil stuff. And I've actually got like a little bit of like a fossilized shell. It's not really picking up on the camera as much, but it's actually pink, like bright, vibrant pink. Just kind of odd that it's not being picked up on the camera, but I don't know. Cameras see different, I guess. Um, I also have. You were talking about mosasaurus teeth earlier. I actually have a mosasaurus tooth in here. 
That's pretty cool. Um, funny enough, I think I actually got that whenever I went to a trip to Florida. So, and um, of course, the classic trilobite. Everybody loves the trilobite. I've never found one of those. People have been begging me to go find one. I've never found one. I, honestly, I don't even know where you would find them because that you one can, was. You can find them in like a, a Europe, uh, New York, that area. So like north, you like way north, kind of out of the U.S. Yeah, I mean, I've got like a bigger one in my shelf over here. I remember which one I keep it in. Um, that one. So this is actually all right. this, which is a fart, 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 not fart. <laughs> Shark jaw, like the mouth uh -huh. that I got. Um, I don't even remember where I got it. I think it was at a battleship, which is kind of odd to think about. Was that in South Carolina? That was in South Carolina. It was in the over near like Fort Sumter. They have a yes, giant that's that's where, that's where I got the Megalodon tooth I was telling you about when I was like seven. Really? I got it, I got it from the same battleship. The uh, gift shop sold these. Yeah, over near. Yeah, Fort I, Sumter. I remember that. They had the giant Megalodon teeth. Yes, I actually. That's where I got that Megalodon teeth that I told you I broke, and I'd stayed there for a Boy Scout trip in the aircraft carrier there. Yeah, they have the giant aircraft carrier. Mm -hmm. I I got one of the um shark jaws. I don't think they had those when I went there, but they did have a big bucket of like broken up megalodon. Yeah, teeth. I, remember, I think I remember that. Mm -hmm. And um, there was um, I remember looking through those megalodon teeth. I'd never seen a megalodon tooth before. I was probably seven or eight years old, and I had looked through it as hard as I could to find like the best condition one I could, and I could probably find. I still have one left somewhere. It's probably over there somewhere but it was basically perfect it was just missing a corner of like a it was basically looked just like this but you're just missing this much of the room. one of those yeah this yeah is well, actually, uh this is a real trilobite from 521 million years to 252 is when it was kind of carbon dated uh in morocco that's pretty cool and this is a um However you pronounce that, I'm not really good with some of these names. I, I feel like I'm speaking gibberish sometimes. Here, bring it closer to the camera. Orthoceros, which is a giant prehistoric squid. Which mm -hmm. I always... I wonder where, like... I guess all the hard-shelled squids like that went extinct, kind of. Yeah, pretty much. There's not a lot like that anymore. But that was one of the ones with the giant cone. That was one of the smaller ones. I got another one of the uh, same species, and it's a little bit of a smaller one. So where would you say your area of expertise ends in terms of fossils and paleontology? If I'm being honest, it doesn't really begin or end anywhere, if that makes sense, because I kind of have like random bits of knowledge about certain areas, but my prime expertise would be like the dinosaurs and that mainly the triassic to the cretaceous is my main focus because that's what everybody knows the dinosaurs everybody loves the dinosaurs i personally love the dinosaurs i don't see anything wrong with it i mean 
I love them. So that's my main area of focus. Is that area of the, um, the Mesozoic era? Well, I think pretty soon is it Hell's Creek formation or something that has the T Rex yeah. teeth in Texas? I thought they were in Montana. Oh, there's some in Texas. I know. I, yeah, but, it's um, a very large area. Yeah, so um, I don't know if you know who Jared Cook is. I do not, but I will definitely do some research and figure that out. No, he's a, he's another big creator who works. He doesn't work alongside me, but we do collaborate on some projects off camera when it's her, like in terms of like identification and stuff. Um, you know, he invited me out to go look for T-Rex teeth and stuff. So I'm probably going to do that sometime soon. And I want to do a series hunting for a seven inch T-Rex tooth. That, yep, definitely. I would love to see that. Uh, I talked to a guy with uh, Fossil Fiends is his account. And he he's based out in um, Montana, actually, the Hell's Creek, that area. And yeah. Fine. I was talking to him because you're like, oh, T-Rex teeth. Sounds super rare. He was like, no, they're pretty common. You just look in the wall and you'll see one sticking out like that. And he, I was like... I personally wouldn't expect that. I would think that you'd have to like excavate part of the mountain away and then you find like two or three maybe. Oh, well, you have to send me this information because that seems like a really cool video to make. Definitely. I mean, I I love talking to him. I think I wore him out a little bit at the end there. He was he seemed pretty tired at the end there, but I don't blame him. It was like six at night or whatever that I actually talked to him. Um but he, he was saying that on his first dig with him and his son, if I'm not mistaken, he found part of like a T-Rex and he, was, he went, he was with this guide and they were like, that's part of a T-Rex. And then they started excavating it and they found like a huge portion of the T-Rex or I think so, or they kept finding it. And apparently you don't find those complete skeletons. Usually because, like, tectonic plate, they'll slide together and part of the fossil will break apart. And yeah. Apart. And, I mean, I always, of, of course, you love the classic T-Rex tooth, the giant T-Rex tooth. In fact, I'm going to buy one from Fossil Crates, a model one. Um, and while we're on the topic of dinosaur teeth, the... Classic rival, thanks to Jurassic Part 3. Everybody who's watched Jurassic Part 3 knows this rivalry. rivalry. I have some Spinosaurus teeth. Some real Spinosaurus teeth from Africa. And at uh, first I was... Because I've got another one from Fossil Crates, but I, I try to show off the real ones. Because that's, that's a little bit more impressive to me, but I'm just going to get it. Because... So I love fossil crates and their work, as you can probably tell, because I won't shut up about them. But I mean, I've got like a miniature uh, Spinosaurus skull right here. And starting a little bit. And another larger Spinosaurus teeth. My thing was at first, I was like, these are really tiny. And this one is really big. So I started questioning it. But then I also started observing the model, and you can kind of see that there are like smaller teeth 
because they're built like an alligator, kind of, or I guess a crocodile. Did you see the new study that came out that thought the Spinosaurus didn't actually have that big spine running along their back? I did see that. I thought that was a joke at first. Then I kind of started thinking because they compare. I think they compared it to a bison, didn't they? Yeah, they. I thought they said it had like it didn't even have that. It had like a bunch of feathers on its back or something like that. I think we could be thinking of two different studies because I saw something that said that it could have been like a bison where they kind of have that huge hump. Oh yes, them. no, yeah, that's that's what that's what I'm talking about, like a huge hump instead of a spine. But I th- I thought that was a little bit off because the bison's is kind of on its neck while the spinosaurus is on the middle of the back. I don't, but hey, I don't. The one of the only complete, completest spinosaurus skeletons was destroyed in a bombing of Poland. I think. Sounds about right. During World War II, um, I've actually got in my notebook. I usually structure it kind of with a dinosaur drawing and some facts under it. Um. So I've actually got some spinosaurus things. Here's something kind of breaking down the skull. And on the back of one of them, I wrote some Spinosaurus aegypticus facts. Uh, it's a fiscivore found in ancient river reds in Morocco. And, and there was a complete fossil, yep, destroyed in a bombing of Poland during World War II. Which I always hate hearing about that because apparently a lot of that guy's work, I don't remember who it was off the top of my head. Um were destroyed during that bombing because they just like blew the museum to smithereens and I'm like I'm like oh I hear about this dinosaur and they're like blown up in Poland blown up in World War II and I'm like could you not spare a museum or two <laughs> I always hate hearing about that how they destroyed museums and things like that I destroyed everything it's the casualties of war it always sucks but I actually have an alligator skull that I know for a fact is real because I ripped the flesh and meat and all that off of it. And if you actually look really closely, you can see that in some of the um, they're not pores, but it's like the sensor kind of things that they mm-hmm. have to detect fish. There's still some of the skin in it that I couldn't quite get out. Right. So, like I said, my grandfather he was very a very outdoorsy man. So he did all the hunting and the fishing. He owned like a hunting club. So he, he would take me out and we'd go search for um, arrowheads. I actually have one. We're going to ignore what fell that he gave me. And it's on the end of this little bamboo thing. So I hold it very near and dear to my heart. So, and so he would have um, – so they – on my grandmother's property now, they had like – or they have like a little pond in the back. Alligators would always climb over their fence from like a swamp back there and get in there. And him and my cousin killed a baby one. They called me in. You can actually see where the bullet kind of passed through the skull here because it's broken right here. Right. And they're like, yeah, so uh, we killed an alligator. Um, you want its skull? originally my cousin was like well i want its head but he also didn't kill it we don't talk about that this was like 
oh god, I think this was like three or four years ago now. Time flies. Um, so they get in. Um, they called me and I just started stripping the flesh off and digging all the brain enough gunk out. He said he wanted it. I was going to give it to him, but they're like, you cleaned it, you keep it. I mean, and of course, some of the, I always keep it above my. I had it in the case, but whatever sealant I was using on the wood to kind of keep the wood from like decaying, I guess, or being all strippier or whatever, um, started to make it turn all yellow and smell like really bad. I mean, it still smells like death if you smell it directly, but it started to make it turn all yellow, so I had to take it out of there. So I usually keep it above my setup. I have three shelves full of full of just dinosaur <laughs> figurines. Looks very chaotic up there. No, I could I could I could guess. I'll I'll definitely send you a picture whenever we're done here. Because there's like I've just got dinosaur stuff everywhere. Just strung around my room. So and of course other stuff that I found was um vertebrate that I just found one day out in the woods and I was like I'm gonna keep this <laughs> because that's usually what happens um and it's very random but the lower jaw of a deer oh, yeah a little deer jaw and I have just like like I have like a tooth that I think my dog they had to pull it out because it was rotten or whatever. I've just got it in my shelf over there. It's a little weird from like I feel like if like paleontology wasn't a thing and you just someone walked into like a paleontologist and they just had like bones and skulls everywhere, they'd be like, You're a little kooky, aren't you? It's like, no, it's just dead thing from a million years ago. That's that's just how it is. I mean, I I always find it interesting. Just like the um state museum. Whenever I went there, they have this giant T Rex statue that they have, and I'm just like, I, I'll just sit there and just like, I was just sitting there just like staring at it for a while. I'm like, I just want to like take this apart and then figure out how this beast worked. So I see you got something there. Oh, do you have a? It's an upper jaw from a tapir. Of a tapir? Hmm. Yeah, so this is like Ice Age. I found it on my last dive. It's probably around like 50,000, 60,000 years. I mean, I I always just love looking at that stuff. Yeah, still got a few. Upper jaw? It's got uh, two, uh, two canines, and then it's got a single molar left in it, which again, for like 60,000 years old, that's pretty good. Yeah, I mean, eventually all that stuff falls out. Yeah, these upper jaws, I forget what they called it, symphasis or something like that. They're pretty rare to find intact. So, teeth are always interesting. Because I feel like like the Triceratops. I had this discussion with the um, fossil fiend guy. His name is Jason. Totally didn't forget that and just remember it. Um. Um, like the like the triceratops horns. I keep a triceratops up here too because 
who doesn't like the classics. They could have possibly. I'm not sharing that. All right. Um, like the Triceratops horns could have been way longer because all we find is like the core. Uh huh. I mean, I guess two tooths teeth aren't really the same. You kind of have like the nerves inside, and then it's like the actual. What is that? Um, it's not cartilage. What do you call that? The uh, the root. Yeah, you have like the root and the nerves in the middle, and then it comes out, and it's the enamel and the um. What are bones made of? Whatever bones are made of, it's kind of that because they're not actually bones for some reason. There's something else that I learned a couple weeks ago because I was talking to somebody about fossils, and they're like, "Yeah, did you know that teeth aren't actually bones?" I'm like, "Interesting," but. I always thought about that with like claws because you can see on your fingernail where you kind of have the core of the fingernail and it uh-huh. comes out even more. Yeah. It's the same with, cause it's the keratin that is the fingernail, but the core is actually made of like more dense. It's more dense and triceratops horns were the same way. What about other dinosaurs like claws? Could they have been the same way? Could they be much larger than we realize? I don't think so. I personally don't think so. I feel like there's ways to tell throughout like the layers of everything, dissecting them, cutting them in half. You can kind of see the, um, I forget what they call them, but they've got like layers and they can compare them to like rhinoceros horns and other things similar, koala claws, stuff like that. Because I showed you this before we started put it here so it's a little bit you can see it from the top i mean this is an allosaurus hand claw i mean just the size of it is absolutely massive and i'm pretty sure this was a juvenile is what the little box that it came in says so they definitely got bigger than this which is even crazier to think about there's just the sheer size of these ancient predators I mean, I guess maybe their claws were probably a little different than our fingernails. Because, I mean, like, you get something that kind of pulls your fingernail back, it hurts. Yeah. You feel a little bit of that kind of, like, pullback and it hurts a little bit. I mean, them, they probably were slashing things, so it probably was more of a bone material than, like, a keratin fingernail material. Yeah. To probably be more sturdy so that it didn't break every time they slashed it. Like a, like a, um, Allosaurus would hunt sauropods. Well, that's why there's a core. It's directly connected to their bone. Yeah. So I'm, I'm sure like you actually take these off, which is probably not the best, but. And then, um, like a lot of the claws were kind of directly fused to the bone. Some of them had cores. Some of them didn't. Like this one seems to be like, it has like a. It's either fused, because this is like a model, so, mm-hmm. I mean, it seems like it's fused, or it had some kind of appendage, like this part of your finger, maybe, where you got like the three bins, because it kind of seems like it has that double bend a little bit, where you have one, two, here, maybe, and then, because of, of course they didn't have like fists, because I'd... 
sure dino boxing is an interesting idea, but probably wasn't a thing. So, I mean, I'm sure there are many, many different things that you can look at where it's a broken claw and it's, it's because it was slashing at this animal this way and it broke because it hit at this angle. I'm sure there's hundreds of examples of that. That yeah. probably proved me wrong or right or whatever. So, I mean. So, how many, you, you do the diving. It seems like you do the diving a lot more than you do just like the walking around the woods and finding something. Recently, probably um, it kind of just depends because where I live, I don't have actually, I don't, I don't have many creeks nearby me. I have one that's close to my house, and it's got some really cool stuff in it. But it's incredibly rare to find um, cool stuff. I actually have a case right here from some of the stuff that I've pulled out of that creek. Uh, some like the rare stuff we have. So, so cow shark teeth, which are incredibly rare, uh, porpoise teeth, and just some other extinct dolphin and what have you. What is that thing up top at the very top? That's a whale tooth. So that is a, a whale tooth. tooth. Hmm. And again, those are really rare to find the whale teeth. Um, I usually don't find them again. This is like all the whale teeth I have. Out of the thousands of trips I've done, I've only got one, two, three, four, five, six. I have six porpoise teeth on the bottom and then a giant sperm on the top. So seven porpoise teeth, seven whale teeth out of the thousands of chips I've done. They're incredibly rare. Um, mm. But no, to answer your question, yeah, I've been doing a lot of diving lately. I feel like it's a lot easier than doing the creek hunting and walking around. It just kills your back, if I'm being completely I, honest. Yeah, I feel like bending over every couple seconds because you think you see something and it's like a rock. It gets pretty annoying after a while, but no, just being in the creek and bending over and lifting stuff, it's fun, but it just gets really it it's gets hard. really tiresome. It just kills my back after a I while. Could, I can see that. The water doesn't though, so and again you have to dig and you have to sift and you have to do all this stuff. Kinda of, the water let me tell you, diving is the most incredible experience, especially diving for fossils. My first time in North Carolina was like when I knew that diving was my thing. It was I can't tell you where it was, but it was a river in North Carolina that I'd never been to. I'd never fossil hunted in North Carolina before. I went through South Carolina and I found some small teeth and stuff in the creeks and what have you. But my friend had invited me to go diving in North Carolina. Unfortunately, he couldn't make it, but he gave me the location that he thought there might be fossils. And so I took a trip and I, I hiked a mile through this river and I waded through it and I carried probably 60 pounds, 70 pounds of gear on my back and hiked a mile through this river. And the story goes that I get to this big bend on Google Maps because he dropped me a pin of where he thought it was. And there was this huge sheer cliff, you know, 500 feet tall. And I could see little white specks of what turned out to be like fossilized seashells. But I didn't know that at the time, or I kind of did, but I wasn't kind of equating the two. I knew they were like fossilized seashells. But... um. He was, I, I FaceTimed him, like, is this the place? He's like, I don't know, I've never been there, but it looks like it. And so I got my gear on and nobody's around. The story goes is nobody is around. And I get down into the water and I have to, it's kind of a flat place where I am. 
and I was on the other side and it goes like this and there's that huge sheer cliff I was talking about. And so I swim out towards the other side of the river where that huge cliff is and it's getting pretty shallow and I'm like, oh, maybe there's nothing here. And all of a sudden it drops like a huge drop into this dark pit and I turn my flashlight on and I go down there and it's about like 15 feet deep and I get to the bottom and I see all this glistening and it's all seashells and I see all this black stuff and there's giant whale bones, probably four or five feet long, fossilized bones sticking out of the bottom. And there's like backbones and giant fossils everywhere, huge fossilized shells like this big. And it was like a whole nother planet down there. And I was probably the first one who had ever been there. And I just like, I'm looking around with my light and there's boulders and I'm cr like crawling over these giant boulders and I'm shining my light into every crevice. And there's more and more giant bones. And I just remember thinking to myself, this is like a game changer for me. Because before, here in Florida, where I did, I would have done hunting, giant bones like that are incredibly rare. To find like a full whale backbone, like completely intact is incredibly rare. And where I was, there was fossilized bones, perfect condition, you know, 20, 30 million years old that were in perfect condition everywhere, everywhere, thousands of tons. Like I'm telling you, you could build houses out of how much whale bone was down here. And it, it was just insane. And I'm looking around and I remember the first tooth I found I was looking, I knew there were shark teeth there, but it took me a while to actually find one. I was like hunting around and find giant piles of bones. I mean, I'll have to send you photos, but literally the bones were four or five feet long. So like as tall as you, and they were touching each other. They were just laying on top of each other, like logs in a forest. They were everywhere. And I finally saw something glistening and I'm like among all this stuff. And in this case, it's that middle the giant Hastalis tooth at three inches long. Wow. It's from the um, Cosmopolitotus Hastalis or the ancestor to the great white shark. And again, they only get to about three inches long. And this one is 3.1 inches long. So it's as big as they can possibly get. And that was the first thing I found. And it was so big, I thought it had to be a giant great white tooth, but no. And it was just, it was insane. It was absolutely insane being there, finding so many great white shark teeth here. I think I actually have a case of my great white teeth. These were all found. These Those are, are all great white shark teeth? Yeah, so these were all found, That's... right? And they were, they were everywhere. And at one point, the story goes, is I was walking, I was like crawling around still finding shark teeth. And there's this huge boulder and there's these huge like limestone boulders that were full of fossils and stuff. And they had come crashing down from that hill up there. So they're kind of like sediment deposits that still hadn't been eroded yet. So the fossils hadn't eroded out of them yet. And right underneath one, I saw a corner of this tooth sticking out. So I saw that much poking out of the sand. And I go and I'm like, oh, that's got to be a little fragment of broken tooth. So something like this, like a little tiny little fragment. And I pull it out and it's a giant six inch tooth. And like, wow, I didn't even freak out. Like I was just like, huh, that just happened. That's pretty cool. Like I was in so <laughs> much moments where you're like, well, I guess this is something that's happening. Yeah. This, I was just in so much shock from being there and everything that I was finding that finding the biggest tooth of my career, just, it didn't, it didn't feel like anything. And it wasn't until I got out of the water and I held it, I took my mask off and held it with my hand that I was like, wow. This is insane. The sheer size of like the megalodon 
of some of these prehistoric shark teeth where it's like as big as your hand. Of course, this one's not a real one. I'm sure you're just flexing on me where you're like, oh, you got eight or nine just real Megalodon teeth lying around. Oh, I, I, about I it. would bring my Megalodon case out here, but I'm planning to – I don't want to show everyone that because I'm planning to do a video on it. It's it's also a little bit big to bring out. Um, but I did I bring that. all the broken ones that I found. And again, this case is huge. It's an old jar. This is a ideal bulk jar from the 1890s. But again, there's just thousands of little teeth in there. It's with artifacts and artifacts. No, oh, yeah, that's I, I kind of repurpose old jars and I put coins and stuff in them. So I actually um, I'm gonna get it real quick. So, I've, of course, I live in South Carolina, so you probably have the same. You go to the beach, you find just, like, random shell bits. I have a couple of those from just when I was, like, younger in my room. I've even gotten them just in – they're just in the backyard, too. You just get, like, random shell bits. But I didn't find this. I, I wish I did. But the – um, I don't remember the name of the shark. I'm not even – showing it but yeah those are the random shell bits but it's the uh weird shark where they think the lower bottom jaw was like the weird saw uh-huh the hexadelite shark or whatever yeah i know it's, shark. it's the lower bottom jaw of that that's pretty cool and i remember i i was in someone's museum or something i think it, it was like a fossil shop and i was just like looking at stuff and i saw that and i was like that's a weird like um shell and I, and I started looking at like the labels and I'm like that's not a shell it's the bottom jaw of one of those shark teeth and I was like I'm getting that because I'm sure those are really rare and this one is also real which really got me and it's got the um part of the fossilization in the back here and I'm sure there was some kind of stuff that they put on it to keep it together because i'll rub it and i'll get like white chalk kind of powder on my hands but you can kind of see where the because i think this was two or there were two kind of put together uh -huh. and that's why it was and it kind of split in half or something yeah i think that's how the bone is and you can kind of see where it was kind of split down the middle which is just crazy to me that evolution took some weird toll to where it had a shark with a blade like that which is absolutely crazy no that's pretty that's pretty insane i mean that i always think about you always get these creatures that evolve to look really insane really crazy and you're like what was the evolutionary track that made them get there? What event happened to make that creature grow that adaptation? And that that will just send you into a rabbit hole that just keeps going. Um, and actually, funny enough, the episode that comes out today, because I'm probably going to air this episode, well, I guess whenever it's coming out today, but... Next Wednesday, 
for us. And the episode that I did today was Dromaeosaurus. And that's actually the lower bottom jaw of a Dromaeosaurus that I got from Fossil Crates. Ooh, again. <laughs> and apparently they had some of the strongest jaw muscles of raptors. Which is crazy. I mean, wow. I just love these animals so much. It's hard to express, like, because you look at one and you're like, oh, well, that one looks cool. And you look at another and you just can't choose one to focus the study on. And it's yeah. always so, it just, it's, it's always just something that I get lost in. But I also find myself in because I'll be studying one thing and I'll look over at the clock and it's like an hour has gone by. And I'm like, oh, I was supposed to get like three of these creatures done today in my notebook. I've been doing one. And I How always... old are you? Hmm? How old are you? I'm only 17, so. 17? I've still got, like, college and stuff to go through. Well, I'll tell you th- I'll tell you what. I think, when do you turn 18? June, in June of next year. May, June, July. Okay. So, what's happening is that me and my dive group, are going back to North Carolina. It's the same spot that we find all these big megs and stuff. And I feel like you'd fit in pretty well. If you'd like, I'd love for you to come on with us and come diving with us. And you can um, you can snorkel. You can just go with a mask. Uh, you don't need dive gear. But we also have some basic stuff that you can use. I feel like they'd really enjoy you. And I feel like you'd enjoy the place that we're going to. It's, it's near... Um, ooh, where... Where is it? I can't tell you the exact site yet because, again, we're, like, on live. I can't say where it is. I get that. But, no, I can, I can tell you privately, though. It's probably going to be – it's, like, three hours from Somerville, four hours from Somerville. Actually, I, um, four hour, you said, like, four or three hours from Somerville? Yeah. I, actually, I think my grand – it's not that far from, like, my grandmother's house. So, I mean – I. I would love to come. I'm going to go ahead and say that uh, I'm going to go. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm just going to discuss it with my parents. Like it's a thing that's going to happen. Cause I, I, this is an event that I'm not going to pass up on. I'm going to be honest right now. This is something that I'm going to want to do. I'm going to basically beg to do. And that's going to just, I'm going to try to make happen as much as possible. And I would love to come with you. Cause I, I, I'd love to show you some of the other stuff that we find out there. I've got buckets of shark teeth, like Angus Dydon's teeth, Auriculitis teeth, like evolutionary ancestors to the Megalodon. I told you I found a Mosasaur tooth. But there's spots on that river where it's only about like seven feet deep. So like, you can go with goggles and go down there. That's what my buddies did sometimes before they started diving. They just go down with goggles and like a flashlight or even not even a flashlight, just goggles in their breath. And they mm. would just find six inch Megalodon teeth. Um, I'm well now. Now I'm stoked. <laughs> now, now there's, I'm uh, yeah, there's sites on the river that you'll find pieces of. Like I told you about the bone, you'll find bones four, five, six feet long, uh, rib bones, skull fragments, uh, lots of whale stuff. You'll find some mammoth stuff and mastodon stuff, but it's super rare. Um, I found two fragments, or like two pieces of mammoth bone when I was there for like the full, both trips combined, all the time I spent there. So about six days total. Um, so probably 
50, 40 hours of dive time, I only found like two pieces of mammoth bone. Um, and there's also petrified wood. My buddy found a petrified log that weighs somewhere in the ballpark of around 100 pounds. Like, it looks like modern wood. It was like a giant log, probably four feet long, and it looked like it was just split in half. That's absolutely crazy. Yeah, I'm definitely taking you up on that offer if you're – I'm – I can't even like express it right now. That's how excited I am. It's like what, like eight months away? Yeah. So we, we we're not sure when the next season's gonna be, just because of right now it's freezing cold. Yeah, I get that. It's yeah. So in the winter for the water levels to drop significantly, and then also for the temperatures to be on par. So likely it could be as close as this spring. But it could also be as far as like around the time of your birthday. So like around summer, May, June, July. If it's summer, that's even better because then I ain't got much to do. No, yeah, but it's a super cool and I feel like you fit in a lot. You you enjoy you seem to know your way around everything. And you remind me a lot of my buddies and like how they think about fossils and stuff. So I feel like you guys would get along. Man, I would that is, that's basically you basically just like made my dream before it even like I had to do it myself. Yeah. I say that, but like I haven't actually reached out to anybody about actual digs yet. I've got an interview with some people named Palmetto Fossil Excursions that I'm trying to get. That's Oh, yeah, that's in South Carolina, right? That is in South Carolina. I might actually just go down there. OK, I'll, like, tell, I'll tell you this much. Those fossil excursions do not do that. Are, are, do they want you to pay? You, do they want you to pay for it? Uh, for the actual interview, no. But if I go there and do the actual fossil excursion, then yeah. But... Yeah, so I say, don't do that. Those people are scammers. I'll tell you right now. I, I don't care if any of them watch this. I'm calling them out. They're <laughs> scammers, right? And I've seen because I went when I went to South Carolina, I went to this one creek that was like in a residential neighborhood, and I saw like probably 12 different groups of people like these excursion people bring tourists down and they're charging them like $50 each for this Creek that you could find on Google maps for free. Or you can literally just ask someone and they'll let you know. It's like, I feel like it's a scam. Right. I, I actually, I actually live like my house is here and there's like a lake kind of thing. It's not a, like really big, but it's like a little Creek area. That's, fairly big in size i've never actually been in it because someone fenced it off and i don't feel like climbing a fence but now i might <laughs> no but I, if you want places in south carolina i have some places that i know are super popular and then actually i went to this one site and let's see if i can it's a giant fragment of like a five inch megalodon tooth six inch megalodon tooth and I found it after like 10 minutes of searching in this one South Carolina Creek. I mean, I'm willing to. Because in one of my classes, it's like a college and career readiness class. Shout out to Mr. Rivers. He's probably not watching this yet, but he will one day. Um, he, he was like, we'll do like mock interviews trying to get ready for like an actual job interview. And one uh -huh. of the questions they always ask is, are you willing to travel? I've always thought about that, and I'm like, why wouldn't I be? I need to be. Yes, I'm willing to. I'm always willing to go somewhere to find the next fossil adventure. I'm always willing. To, I'm always willing and up for that. If 
honestly, if I could, I would just go out west for like four months to like the Hell's Creek formation and just search for stuff. And I've just all those people out there. I've just been trying to like reach out to as many of them as I can. I because I just want to like talk to them, figure out what they do, maybe try to replicate it one day. <clears throat> but yeah, if you're actually like, if that offer is always, I'm always open for that, and I would love to go on an actual fossil <laughs> excursion with you. Oh, no, yeah. So don't waste your money paying these people to go on their excursions. Because, again, I'm telling you right now, as somebody who's gone to hundreds of different creeks, they're not that hard to find for free. And they'll try to ring you for every cent they can. Like, I don't care if I'm calling them out like that. I'll, I'll call them out. Um, no, it's just I feel like it's unfair to tourists. Like, they're they're trying to just squeeze money, especially. Out yeah, people, they need to pay people, I guess. I mean. Anywho, anywho, yeah. So if you want places to find fossils in South Carolina, just ask. Gladly. I'm... In fact, I'm going to go ahead and ask, and you can message me later, because I know you can't disclose sites just out in the open like that. Oh, yeah. I also don't have the exact, <laughs> I feel like South Carolina, like... the coordinates in my head, I have to find the pins on my maps. Yeah, no, I I get it. I, In fact... I know this is random, but we're bringing up maps and stuff. This is my dinosaur, jur not journal, but like, I just keep like a bunch of random dinosaur stuff in here. All that. Um, and one day, I remember I finished my work in class. So I was like, what am I going to do? So I pulled up like a bunch of random maps and I did a hand-drawn map of Pangea to like the best of my ability from as much research as I could pull together. That's cool. And I just love this stuff. And this stuff always excites me. This makes me, it, paleontologist has basically been my dream job since I was like five, probably before that. And it's probably for the weirdest reason, but I remember watching Jurassic Park as a young kid. And I was just like, that. I want to see those things. I want to deal with those things. I love dinosaurs. What is the one job that deals with dinosaurs? Paleontologist. That's my dream job. And I basically just had this whole goal trying to set myself up to be a paleontologist since whenever. I mean, like you said, you're starting your museum. I basically just want to be you. <laughs> like my my end goal is to just have my own museum somewhere. With well, you got to start somewhere. Dinosaur fossils. Basically, whatever I can find. Because I've just been building my collection, basically, as soon as I got a job. <laughs> um. And one of the things I have is from – so my brother, he goes to Clemson, and they have a geology museum there. And I bought like – that's actually where I got this. Now I'm remembering. That's where I got the helioxite fossil or whatever it's called. I'm probably butchering the name. And there's somebody watching like, it's this, you idiot. 
I'll get some kind of message about it. Um, that is my Siberian So, I mean, when my family goes traveling, I usually try to pick up some kind of souvenir from the area, but I remember I went and visited him. I got this little anomite, ano, anomite, ammonite, am, anomite, am, that's a tongue twister, little ammonite fossil, along with that and a Siberian tiger claw. Yeah, Siberian tiger claw, which, I mean, why not? I saw it and I was like, it's only like $5 for like, all of it was like maybe 15 total. So, I mean, it was worth it. And it's very random, but I have coral that uh, I found on whenever I went to the beach one time that was just washed up and I just picked it up and I was like, oh, this is cool. It's dried coral. I mean, I always love just finding random things like that. And I keep this in a little, I just got like boxes and boxes at this point. So I got two arrowheads. I got like a little bit of a dolphin, like the smallest fraction of a dolphin and this tiny turtle shell that uh, my grandmother found for me. I found uh, me and my grandfather found those arrowheads together, so they're pretty special to me. And I just always love just can going I, out and finding can that I stuff. See those arrowheads? I got can you flip them over? Hmm. Okay. And I mean, I always love going out and just finding stuff like that because you never know what you're going to find out. And I went to a private contract. They work with um, construction to make sure that there's not like – they're archaeologists too and they're, um, they make sure that you can't like bulldozer over like a complete find or something. So they go yeah. out and they check all that, make sure all that, and they they've got some crazy stories like that. I mean, I just remember going to talk to them, and I at this point in my stage because I can't, I don't have the best access to the paleontology, the actual paleontology thing. So I'm just trying to talk to as many people and set up as much as I can. Like I went to the state museum never responded to any of my emails anymore a little disappointed but um they the guy there he's he found like i think it was like 17 different species whenever he went up to like boston or something which is always even more amazing that you just find somebody and they're like yeah i found some more species and up in greenville i think it was they had um a dig site that was on a construction site called Camelot that they called Camelot. And they were finding like little bone fragments and they're like, okay, nothing major at this point. 
and the time was running out for them to like search it. And I mean, I was just like flabbergasted at the idea of this, but they were just like, here, come over. And they bring me over to this little like container thing and they take the lid off and they pull out one of the things. And it's just like some, like two or three Smilodon skulls. They're like, yeah, we found all of these at like this, at Camelot. And I was like, just the ex like expansion of that life is absolutely amazing. And I love studying that. Are you familiar with the GMR? The GMR? I am not that familiar with that. In North Carolina? I'm not as familiar with that. Could okay. you it's a it's a it's a creek site and it runs through a bunch of different cool layers and people find insane stuff out there. I'm not gonna say the full like a breed like the full name, but it's just called GMR. Like if you know, you know. Um and people find lots of Mosasaur stuff out there, some lots of Cretaceous, uh Cretaceous stuff, crow shark teeth. I feel like you'd I feel like you'd enjoy it. It's a really cool public site. I'll definitely look into that some more. And <laughs> this, you just Google GMR North Carolina. You'll see. You'll see what I'm talking about. When I get like a long weekend where I'm not doing anything, basically one of the two or three closest points that I'm going to get from you, I'm just going to go out there and try to find stuff. Right. <laughs> That's basically what I'm going to do for a long weekend one day. I mean. I've got some stuff. I know you deal in archaeology too, and I remember you found like an old manor or something, didn't you? Old manor. I don't know, but it was like a um, maybe not like a manor, but I think it was like a plantation or something that you found. Yeah, I went to a plantation, and you didn't you find like I don't think that was at the same place, but you found like Nazi currency or something. Oh no. I've found I've been to a bunch of different places. I found to one place in Florida that it was um it was the house of a World War II veteran, and we found uh, medals like collar discs in his front yard. We found World War II, World War One buttons, um like pieces of helmet straps, and then we found a Nazi coin. And we were guessing it must have been some sort of POW camp or something where they brought German prisoners, uh, after, like during World War Two. Or something like that. We found a bunch of like old World War II stuff. I always, I mean, that's always. I'm good with my history, but that is my brother's forte. He is all in on the history. No, and yeah. I could, get, I could basically walk up to him like the next time I see him and be like, could you tell me about the Nazi pow camps in this area and he'd be like oh yeah yeah i got you and he'd just be like that you just give me like a just basically just spout out like a list of just information that he studied and it's always just like a pleasure talking to somebody about something like that no yeah um we're thinking it was either a pow camp or it was a um so a lot of these houses had like after World War II, there was places where veterans would go and kind of just share some beers. Uh, they would kind of hang out, and that would that would also kind of explain it. People came in uniforms, and they could have lost buttons, and then someone may have had like a Nazi coin that they stole off of some dead German, and they lost Probably. it out like that. So that's that's like the two options that we're thinking. Either of the latter. I mean, 
we're, we're, we're kind of going with the latter that we think that that house was um they held some sort of world war ii after parties or something like that or they held some sort of veterans thing and people i'm sure, I'm sure soldiers also just got together and celebrated because they're like hey we won the war yeah that would also be a that would also be a viable option. Some big party was held there after World War II and a bunch of soldiers came in uniform and lost buttons and old coins and stuff. I'm sure you get a bunch of war-tired people drunk, they lose stuff. So, <laughs> No, yeah. I did go to a plantation that was in North Carolina and we found uh, some amazing stuff was found there. Not by me. I didn't really find that much. But people before me, the people have been metal detecting that place since the 1940s. And even the owner who um, who I spoke to, he was uh, the uncle of one of my fans, and he let me go do it. He found, like, silver Spanish reals from the 1700s, like, giant silver coins. Uh, he found war, uh, Civil War ammunition boxes. He found muskets out in the field that were dropped by war soldiers. Wow. Um, slave tags from you know slaves from the plantation i found a single civil war bullet a few buttons and i found a piece of a cut coin it was a piece of a copper coin that had been clipped into like a little piece of copper and it was paid towards a slave which i thought was super cool um you're talking about like that civil war era uh Going into Columbia, because I'm in South Carolina, um, there's that river, and apparently Sherman had taken, like, a bunch of guns and stuff and, like, tossed them in the river, basically, uh-huh. to keep, like, the um, Confederates from getting them. Or they, I think they stole guns, and they were, like, dropped in the river and stuff. So I'm sure there's all kinds of stuff in that river with, like, muskets and bayonets and... Oh, you'll have to... You'll have I'll have to come down there sometime and check it out. I would definitely love to meet up with you if you did that too. I mean, no, that sounds super cool. I've, I've always wanted to find like a musket or something. That's on my bucket list. That, that would definitely be um, crazy because I know my granddad. I don't. I don't even remember how he got it. It's not a musket, but it was a Masin Nagant from. I think it was the Russian Civil War, if not like World War One. That he just like, I think somebody found it and just gave it to him one day, and he just has it hanging up, which is cool. I think my brother fired it once, and it like immediately broke too, because it was old. But he tried. Every time we go down, we try to clean it and figure something out. I mean, I always that stuff is always beyond me how stuff just gets passed around like that because you're like. Because you find some one thing in one place, and you're like, wait a minute. These don't make sense to go together. Like, you're talking about the Nazi currency, like, where was that? Here in, like, America? Yeah. So you're like, something's not right about this. <laughs> you, you find it, and you're like, oh, wow, that's somebody could have brought it over. And you could, like, track the history of it onto whatever, which is always beyond me. Because... You find like a little coin and then you track the history and you're like, oh my God, Hitler kissed this coin in front of a crowd of people. <laughs> weird thing like that. <laughs> you always end up figuring something out like that. And it, 
is always just really cool to find. I mean, and I'm sure people here in South Carolina get South Carolina, North Carolina, basically all the Southern states. Cause I remember the, um, I'm going to spoil one of their stories that I'm sure they're going to tell whenever I interview them. The S and me people is what they're called. That they told me that they had this old general or not general. He was like a captain or a colonel or something. I don't remember, really remember his rank. And a family like was like, Oh yeah, no, he's super important. He's super important to the war. And they like went and like excavated him and, no, he was just some old racist white guy who wrote a really racist book one time that didn't ever get published. And it's like, I'm sure there's a lot of finds like that. In like grand scheme of things, you're like, oh, well, we know about what these group of people were doing with him in this time. But like individually, you're like, well, I mean, he's not that important. But But you're still like, I found this and it's really cool and I love it. Yeah. And you got like this weird feeling about it where you're like, okay. But you're also like, oh, cool, a find. And um, I remember another story that they told me where they dug up a crypt, like an underground crypt. And the people were like, oh, could you could you open it? Because they go to people's land usually when they find things like, oh, could you open it? I wonder what's inside. And they're like, yeah, the crypt's airtight. Nothing has gotten in or out since this person was buried. He's still inside. They're like, what, what do you mean? They're like, he hasn't decayed as much as you think. It's probably a slush of just him. And they're like, oh, never mind. You don't have to open it. Because And I was like thinking about that. And I'm like, what are the conditions for that? Could yeah. you find things like that? Like, I always think about that, like somebody like Napoleon, they put him in like seven caskets or whatever. There's no way his body isn't better preserved than the one person that they shoved in a wooden box and buried. Well, I don't think, I'm not sure if it would be a slush thinking about it like that, because usually they tend to dry out if it's in that condition. They don't get wet like that unless you wet, but. Like, there's not going to be a smell. Like, after a few hundred years, a few thousand years, even, like, 50 years, there's not really going to be a smell, um, no matter how airtight it's going to be. In fact, if it's airtight, it means it's just going to dry out a lot. And dry the reason, out. Is the reason there's not going to be a smell is because the decomposing, um, the smell comes from decomposing gases and stuff. And that stuff, if it's airtight, it just dries out like every, it can't stay decomposing for that long if that it's it's kind of hard to explain it um, is it's but it need it needs living creatures to decompose and if there's yeah. things eating it and decomposing it then it's going to decompose really fast if it has time to become like a slush like that now when you're in water that's different water will like you'll have world war ii soldiers who will come out of the water and they'll still have flesh and meat on their bones I've seen that happen. That um, seems very disgusting yeah. to pull up one day. Especially like Russia and Ukraine, they pulled out skulls and stuff that still have like brain matter and stuff in them and like skin still on the skeletons. That, because the uh, it, it doesn't decompose because there's nothing, the water's too cold for any microbes or bacteria to eat it. 
I'm I'm sure that also like if you're on like an archaeological find and you pull out like a body, you're like, uh oh. Do I report this to the police? How old is this? <laughs> you're like, was this like a murder case? What is going on? Because didn't you find like the handle to like a murder weapon? Oh yeah, that was in that was in Georgia. There was there was a right next to a really bad ghetto. Uh, there was this bridge, and I dove under it. And the bridge was built in like 1770 or some crazy, something crazy like that. And there's a bunch of artifacts under it from like the 1700s, but because it was next to ghetto, a lot of criminals threw stuff off there as well. So I found like the handle to a pistol from the 70s. Uh, I found a hand grenade from World War II. Wow. And yeah, I'm sure there's there's more guns down there. Uh, but you go drive that again sometime soon. You find like a hand grenade, you're like, um, do I need to call someone? No, I'm I didn't. Sure. I mean, I'm just, like, because I remember uh, talking to the like SME people. They're like, well, if you find like, you you dig to a certain, if you're like excavating, you dig to a certain point, and then you start to try to find stuff because usually there's that like layer of soil that's mm-hmm. in the way where there's not that much in between it if it's on land, but like under it. But if you find a body in that soil, you're supposed to call the cops. Cause that's probably not supposed to be there. Cause they're like, yeah, no, somebody was probably murdered, especially if you find, cause I remember, um, I think, I think they found like a body where it was like starting to decompose. And they're like, yeah, no, this isn't supposed to be like that. We're calling the cops. Because you don't find that and you're not like, eh, that's not supposed to happen. It's usually supposed to decompose after a thousand years. Um, You know, somebody was murdered and put here. And I'm sure that's never a good thing to find yeah. that. I'm sure that's a lot rarer than people think it is. You know, people find bodies all the time. It's not an uncommon occurrence. Especially if you're in the ghetto, people find a lot of bodies, especially like in water. It's not uncommon. I'm very sure. People probably hide bodies in the water all the time. All the time. Not that you think about it, that would actually be like the worst place to store someone. Yeah, pretty much. Because they they don't decompose in the water, really. It takes time to decompose in the water. Especially if it's cold water, it'll take hundreds of years. Yeah, I mean... Burying them would actually probably be better. Well, I guess it would be easier to find. Let's not plot any murders on this show right now. Um, no, you you got to cut them into pieces and throw them in the ocean. That's the best way. <laughs> you, feed, you feed them to someone. You feed them to sharks and pigs and all that. You go out into the deep ocean, cut them into pieces, and then throw them off like once a day. Or like go to different parts of the ocean and throw them in. They'll be eaten by creatures and digested and you don't got to worry about it. A little unsettling, but okay. <laughs> so, I mean, you've had, I don't even know how many posts you've had in total. I'm going to like check that real quick. On what platform? On Instagram, because that's really the only platform I have. You have 268 posts. Oh, on TikTok. I don't, do you follow my TikTok? I don't, I don't really use TikTok that You much. should. That all my Instagram posts are just posts from TikTok. I have like six times as many posts on TikTok. 
So I'm sure most of those are fines and things like that that you oh no yeah if you're not followed to my tiktok you definitely should you're missing out a bunch most of my content most of my instagram stuff is just stuff from my tiktok that i re-upload onto instagram so i'm but i'm like sure that most of your posts are like what you find different things oh, yeah you, all there that's that's all of it definitely been on a lot of expeditions definitely do you have a personal favorite one and if so why well, that's a that's a tough question. Yeah, I think my personal favorite was the story I told you when I first went to North Carolina, and then I got in the water and just saw like the sea of whale bones and fossils. That's where I found that whale spine. I don't know if you saw that video, where I found a fossilized whale spine. That was at that site. That was probably my personal favorite, just because of how preserved everything was and how untouched it was. It was like something from another planet. It was just insane. And I mean. Currently, you said that you're only in kind of the uh, what are we, southeast, the southeast coast. Yeah, I haven't really heard anything about you in Alabama. Have you been to Alabama at all? I've been to Alabama. I haven't filmed anything in Alabama, but I went arrowhead hunting there once. Um, I have. I think I have a video in Tennessee. Uh, Pigeon Forge. I did a video there. Yeah. But that's, that's not my Instagram. There's a lot of stuff in Pigeon Forge, though. I mean. There's a lot of stuff in Pigeon Forge. There's a bunch of stuff on my like TikTok about different places. I'm trying to think. Uh, I've done videos in England. Wow. Uh, Colorado. I've been out. I've been out south, like Colorado. I've been to Colorado and Utah too. I mean, yeah. I've been out west. Have you Where, have you ever gone from Colorado to Utah? I've never been to Utah. It is really weird. So Colorado is kind of like on a mountain. So going up, if you drive into it, you got to go like up a mountain. If you drive out of it, you got to go down the mountain basically. And from Colorado to Utah, so you have like Colorado and Utah here. You go and you got like mountains and these forests and all the stuff in Colorado. You got like a waterfall maybe on this side that goes into a creek. As soon as you hit Utah, nothing. There's absolutely nothing for miles. You can just see the mountains in the distance and it's so crazy because <laughs> i remember hitting it and i was like watching out the window and it was like mountains 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 desert nothing just flat barren land for miles and i'm like okay no colorado colorado was fun um colorado is definitely fun i filmed some stuff out in some wild west ghost town out there and that was a pretty popular series. But Colorado, I remember, was driving there through Texas. And wow. yeah, there's mines. Like you'd find gold mines and you'd just be looking out the window and they'd be everywhere. Like you'd see these holes in the mountain. And these mines were erected in like 1860. And they were abandoned a few years later. So like they haven't been touched in 150 plus years. And you probably shouldn't go into them? No, I think you should. People find awesome stuff in those mines. It's probably not the safest thing to just go walking around in them, but no, yeah. If you take the proper precaution, you could probably find some pretty crazy stuff. But Colorado, you'd also drive like from town to town. I remember this one town we went to, I had to drive over a mountain. And again, it was like summer. It was like July, August. It was hot. Cool. It was hot outside. And driving over this mountain, there was like snow all over it. 
So like, I, yeah, I remember that. I mean, yeah, in July, I got to play and like hang out in the snow, which was a really crazy feeling. Like I was in shorts and a t-shirt, just playing, like making snowballs. That's like it's the craziest thing. I remember I went. Uh, me and my family went to Alaska pretty recently. Hang on, it's actually where I got this. Where it's the uh, Nanquasaurus, the Alaska uh, Alaska's T Rex. Uh-huh. Yeah. We went during like the summer, and we're like, "Oh yeah, it might be a little, a little warmer." No, you get like a mountain, and it's just like covered in snow, and it was just really, it was just really beautiful there. I've got like pictures of stuff all over my Instagram. Oh, I'm sure. I mean, uh, just like the wildlife that. Because you also think about it, you're like, oh, it's Alaska. So it's been really cold, like, all the time. And you're like, maybe there's not as much prehistoric. There's, of course, there's, like, archaeological stuff because you have, like, the natives that were up there. You have, like, the native Alaskans. But you're like, maybe there wasn't as much paleontological-wise other than maybe, like, the Ice Age. I was dead wrong whenever I thought that. Because I found a museum, and they have up there. I, it's, it was like a, it was just like a warehouse, and it was just someone's private collection that they put out, and they had like fossil stuff. Uh, they had, I think they had like a Alaskan triceratops. I don't remember the name of it. Just like a skull in the front, and they had like this giant, looked like a Quetzalcoatl, just above it. I've got like. And I was just like, I was not expecting any of this. Because you're like, well, it's frozen. And dinosaurs are like lizards. And you're like, they still live there. I mean, you have like Prilophosaurus that lived in Antarctica. I mean, I always get surprised whenever they find... Like, Prilophosaurus, they're like, oh, someone went digging in Antarctica and found a dinosaur. Whose idea was that? (laughs) Always think about that. You're like, that doesn't really go together. Apparently it does. I mean, do you have like a favorite artifact that you personally have? Uh, I don't have I don't have any artifacts in front of me, but like that's that's a super hard question. I found a gold coin. Like that was pretty cool. That's all mine personally is the Allosaurus hand, just because I love Allosaurus so much, and I was like that is super cool. I think Allosaurus is like my most studied dinosaur. And I think I have like the most, if you look at it individually, like between each species of dinosaur model that I have, I think Allosaurus is the one I have the most of. Mm-hmm. Who do I have? One, two, three. Three of them, I think. I've got, T-Rex is actually my least owned because i'm like because i try to like i don't want to say i stay away from t-rex but i also think like everybody knows the t-rex so i did funny enough um i think t-rex is actually caught up now at like four or three i think and i recently did an episode because i bought uh, um i bought like a uh 
thing for the 30th anniversary of Jurassic Park where it was Buck the T-Rex, which is the male T-Rex from Jurassic Park 2. And I spent an episode playing Jurassic Park 2 in the background. YouTube had a field day with that. <laughs> Blocked it like that immediately. And I'm like, mm, darn. Still up on Spotify, though, because Spotify doesn't care. Um, And I painted the T-Rex while I had the movie playing in the background. And I basically, at the end of it, just did like an updater episode on T-Rex. Because T-Rex was... So, originally... Um, I would do two dinosaurs an episode. I have like a little five minute section about each dinosaur. Now I try to do 10 ish, 10 to 15 ish minutes on each dinosaur to go a little bit more into depth. And I put out a little bit more knowledge. If you ever get into dinosaurs as much as I like, I don't want to say that you're not into it, but I don't know how into it you are. If you ever want like a good source to use, I use prehistoric wildlife. It's a very good website, and they have – you open the page, and it's an A to Z like thing, and you click on whichever letter, and it will just pop down a list of basically like every prehistoric animal of that – like that starts with that letter. So That's I just cool. use them basically. That's cool. I, I, it's basically been my source since the beginning of all of it. Um, and I remember – I sound so different in that first episode. It's a little different. It just it sounds kind of odd because I'll go back and listen to it, and I'm like, that's not me, but it is me. It does not sound the same. Yeah. Um, and I basically just did an update or episode at the end of it of T-Rex since I was like the first dinosaur I ever did. I mean, I don't really know what kind of beyond – you said that your focus was the – um the Cenozoic, because that's current. Miocene. Miocene, sorry. I was forgetting the Miocene period of time. So do you have anything, like, before that that you've found? Or uh, the Mosasaur. Mosasaur yeah. is the mo yeah. is probably the most common. Yeah, Angus Dydon, Auriculitis. That was, like, a little bit after. I'm not quite sure the period, but it's, like, 30 to 40 million years. I mean, just like the time periods of these. It's crazy to think about, like, humans have been on Earth for, what, maybe like 40,000 years at best? Around 100,000. 100,000? I mean, but some people think that it could be up to a million. I don't think so. I think it's around 100,000. A million's stretching it. I, mean, I feel like a million is stretching it. I think around 100. I don't know. A million could be like proto-human where there were more species because you have like Homo sapien, you have like Homo erectus, you have all the other different sub not subspecies, but I guess genuses of the um humanoid like thing that kind of died off. Uh-huh. So I guess they're like if you look at those, maybe a million at best. But, like, Homo sapien has definitely been, like, 100,000. But, like, you have, like, dinosaurs that were here for, like, several millions of years. Like, T-Rex is closer to us than Stegosaurus. Which is just, like, that doesn't, because you, you're, like, 
Oh, T-Rex, Stegosaurus. They're both dinosaurs. They must have had some kind of closality because they were so close. But it's like, no, not at all. It's just so crazy to think about. and Especially before the dinosaurs, because the dinosaurs definitely took off and went crazy with evolution. But there were also some very crazy evolutionary things before the dinosaurs. I mean, because it's right here, actually. Um, like Dunkleosaurus, Dunkleosteus, yeah, or Dunkleosus. Dunkleosaurus is probably something different. Um, they went extinct. I have a little notes app of all the mass extinctions. There have been five major ones throughout history. I mean, uh, they went extinct in the Devonian extinction which was 365 million years ago, which was um, basically when plankton, like a surge of nutrients from the land that was rising up, basically shot into the ocean and the plankton fed on it like flies on crap for lack of, like, uh, what do you call it, analogy. And there was so much plankton that they rose to the surface and plankton isn't supposed to do that. So they all died off and rotted and rot and that blocked the sunlight from the plankton below so that all died and rot and so you had this nasty sludge of just dead plankton and animals can't survive in that and so that's actually one of the reasons why sharks came to be is that species like Dunkleosteus went extinct due to that they were caught in it and they when extinct and it killed it actually killed 87% of all like species, which is absolutely crazy. Like you can't even fathom that much. Because that would be like most of life. That's most of life that was there, which is gone. Yeah. And mass extinctions too are just something that because of course everybody is like. Oh, we all know the KT extinction. The meteor crashes into Earth. Rubble's thrown into the atmosphere. Very few people know about, like, the five or six others. Yeah. And actually, I discovered um, a new ex mass extinction that I wasn't even, like, aware of. And it's the Great Oxidization Event, like, 2.5 billion years ago. Where all of, like, the weird microscopic organisms that didn't survive on oxygen something started producing oxygen and then all those creatures the oxygen was basically poisonous to them so they died off and it's i think that is tied for the permian triassic extinction which is really weird to say this but it's my personal favorite mass extinction Wow, that was 250 million years ago. And in, in the far north of Pangaea, millions of square meter uh, kilometers, a chunk the size of the U.S. was destroyed for 100,000 years due to magma release from volcanoes, which then released noxious gases that caused acid rain to kill off more life and poison the ground, which then released CO2 that was six times greater than what we, than what we have like today along with all of the environmental effects that come with that. Yeah. And that can, that ended up call, uh, causing 90% of all species to die off. And I mean, 
the idea of Earth being engulfed in flames for a hundred thousand years sounds like something out of a storybook, but it's also like, no, it happened. It could totally happen again too. Mm -hmm. Another scary thought. I was gonna say, I actually kind of want to do um, a category. Uh... And I mean, do you have like a personal favorite mass extinction? Uh, no, not really. KT is probably it. KT is the most famous. I mean. That's the that's the one that everybody kind of knows around knows about. I mean, I I like it too. It's definitely my second favorite one because it's the dinosaur one, and I'm the dinosaur guy. That's that's how a lot of the people know me as. I'm the dinosaur guy. I mean, and I actually, funny enough, off the top of my head, I lack a lot of knowledge that I probably should have. Which is kind of why I started doing um, my own personal dinosaur field guide with just basically all this like random dinosaur species that I'm interested in just studying. I'll just come to the end. The latest one that I did was Leptoceratops, which was kind of like Protoceratops. Yeah. And I'll just come to the blank page and just start jotting it down. And this is basically my source. Cause I mean, I take all, I'll take like from two or three sources and I'll just put it in that. So it's basically like two or three sources of knowledge. And that's basically cause I had somebody that I talked to about um, my podcast and like, you should script it. And I'm like, that is my script. Hmm. I don't uh I don't know if you've seen all the Jurassic Park movies. No. You haven't? Well, I'll skip that then. Um So the Fokker Crates, my first interview outside of somebody that's not family or just a friend that I had at like school that I reached out to. They brought up the idea of like dinosaurs having lips. Which sounds so bizarre to think about but actually makes sense what do you think about that theory about like dinosaurs having lips dinosaur lip theory yeah that's that's got to be a new one i don't think i've heard that honestly i didn't hear about it until he brought it up i was like he's like i want to talk about the new theory of dinosaur lips and i'm like all right (laughs) you got me beat (laughs) go Uh on I don't think I have much to say about that. I don't. The controversial theory. Because I don't, I didn't know anything about it, but he was saying that's like an evolutionary thing where some probably had it and some didn't. But the most famous controversial theory is the feather theory. Yeah. What do you, what do you think about that? I think it's possible that dinosaurs had feathers. It's not impossible. Some species may have had it. Some some species may not have. Or a version of feathers. Maybe not like modern day birds, but more like modified hairs. Because I feel like a lot of species like T-Rex and Velociraptor and Utahraptor and Dromaeosaurus, like I did, that's released today at the time that we're reviewing this. Um, They totally had feathers. You could see, like, the fossil imprint of, like, 
some kind of featheridge like Archaeopteryx. The most everybody's seen the world famous German cutout where it's the Archaeopteryx and you can see the feathers in it. Uh-huh. But certain dinosaurs like Triceratops, I will feel like it would be more like a rhinoceros. Yeah. Where it's not like covered in fur, but it has like that little bit of hair, yeah. Like like basically like the hair on your arm. Uh-huh. Kind of something like that. But then you have things like sauropods, where there's like they're so massive, it would be an evolutionary disadvantage for them to have feathers because it would slow them down even more. Because feathers create like air resistance and also just a massive thing like that needing feathers. It's kind of why whales don't have feathers. Yeah. I mean, what would they need it for? They have like the blubber. And I feel like sauropods were possibly like that where they were so big that like they used kind of like a blubber like thing to keep them warm. So if anything, they also had like what rhinos have where it's kind of like the loose fuzz, if you will. Yeah. So said Mosasaurus was your favorite. I mean, is there a reason outside of you like, find a lot of mosasaurus teeth well not a lot but like you find i I don't know i really thought that the mosasaurus i think it's just interesting i feel like the whole marine reptile thing giant marine reptile i think it's super interesting super creepy especially like after jurassic world or whatever i thought that was super cool have you seen um prehistoric planet on apple tv at all no it's who is the narrator? Oh, I'm blanking on his name. David Attenborough. Yes. Uh, funny enough, his brother is I think his name is John Attenborough, who played John Hammond in Jurassic Park. So they kind of have this whole family of dinosaurs now. Yeah. So you did watch it, is what you said? No, I haven't seen yeah, it. Yeah. But... Okay. Well, uh, they actually had the um, – Mosasaurus apparently was like shallow water. They weren't deep ocean creatures. They were more in shallow water areas, which was, I found – I was like, you're telling me this big creature lived in like shallow water areas? And one of the things that it actually would – not commonly do, but it would do would be like – because in the show, they show a T-Rex migrating – from like land to an island so it has to swim so if dinosaurs were swimming and it caught them it would basically just swim over and eat it out of the water and i was like thinking about that and i'm like that actually makes sense that's kind of what alligators do and crocodiles do they kind of stay near shore and whenever an animal ventures into the area it will jump out at them and mosasaurus kind of looks like a giant alligator yeah I mean, it, I mean, I don't know. Maybe I'm the only one seeing that, and you said you agreed with me. So clearly I, not. The head structure looks like an alligator. The body structure kind of looks like an alligator. I guess the only thing it's missing is the ability to go on land like an alligator. Um. So, but I, I mean, I was just – I was like, I'm not – some of the stuff in these like shows that I watch, I'll just take the knowledge from it and I'll just run with an episode on that. 
Well, I don't know if you ever seen alligator teeth or like crocodile teeth. They look almost identical to mosasaur teeth. They they very much so do. Here, I think this is the. I mean, that's pretty much like a mosasaurus tooth. Actually, I have. Funny enough, I have one to compare. I mean, yeah, I can totally see the different or the similarity. I mean, it looks like a giant alligator tooth. If I didn't know any better, I mean. I would probably say it's an alligator tooth. No, yeah. Like a cuz alligators can get pretty big. Reptiles don't really stop growing ever, so they get pretty pretty big cuz uh upstairs in my dad's office, he has this huge, I think it's a crocodile actually, a huge crocodile skull. Which one I I I always get alligators and crocodiles confused like most people. I mean, it's basically based on like the teeth where they are. If it, because I think this one is actually a, I don't remember. I think it's a crocodile. That's no, not. I don't. It's one of them. They're basically the same thing. No, that's that's like, not. Crocodiles have really snubby. They're not really not snubby. Like really. Oh yeah, it's also the skull it, shape too. They're also extremely violent, but yeah, that's that's going to be an alligator. Alligators have those big, broad faces. Um, yeah, uh, alligators, yeah, this is an alligator skull, because the teeth kind of line up a lot more, and they go out. If that yeah, you guys, you guys don't get crocodiles in South Carolina. We don't, I don't think we do. Also, I was doing, like, I was looking at some prehistoric crocodiles, and I'm like, you're looking at it, and you're like, well, yeah, you get the because you always see it next to like a T-Rex or this other big dinosaur or something like a Parasaurolophus or something. You always see it jumping out of the water, and you're like, okay, well, it doesn't look that big. But then you see like, what is the famous one, Dinosuchus? huge skull next to like it makes a Nile crocodile skull look like this. Yeah. And it's just you're like these things were like almost unfathomably massive to just think about like the sheer size of these absolute monsters for lack of better word. And then so, and then you're like well, that's got to be the biggest one that's ever existed. And somebody's like, oh, well, nope, we got this one too. And you're like, what? And that's, that's part of the charm of that I find in dinosaurs is you're like, is you're like, oh, you have T-Rex. It's the big, bad T-Rex. And they're like, well, this dinosaur makes T-Rex look like a, like a dwarf. I mean, you're like, okay. Like, um, most people don't know this. Parasaurolophus? Was like almost as big as T Rex. Yeah. And um, there was a hadrosaur found in China. It was one of the later ones that I did that I did for hadrosaur munch, which was not last month, but the month before that. I did um, sauropod month October. Augusta for all of Augusta. Augusta no for no all blah blah blah. Augusta no all of us. 
and it was found in California, not in China. It was found in China and California. Um, kind of looks like that. Yeah. Um, and it was as big as T-Rex. And it grew to be like the same size and sometimes even bigger than T-Rex. And it's like, it's just like the size of these creatures because you think about it because they're like, they're like an in-between link of like reptiles and birds. So, and like reptiles don't really stop growing. You like kind of kill it and that's when it stops growing. It dies and it stops growing. Yeah. So you think about it and you're like, well, that makes sense that if they're the in-between that they would probably have that feature from reptiles and they probably didn't stop growing. And, and I, I always find it confusing whenever you're watching like a something about dinosaurs and media and there's not a person there to compare it to. And you're like, well, that dinosaur looks tiny. And you're like, no, it looks like twice as big as you. Or that dinosaur looks massive. And you're like, nope, it was actually like as big as you. And you're like, like uh, Ceratosaurus. This guy, uh, Ceratosaurus. Yeah. It actually was like about as big as like the average man like it was about as tall as like the average man which is really you're like well i expected this thing to be like massive and like be able to eat an entire person in one bite but it's like no probably not i mean everybody's gotten the mistreated idea of dilophosaurus from jurassic park i'm guilty of it too i thought that they were these tiny little creatures that you could like in worst case scenario, punt if you needed to. Nope. They were bigger than Ceratosaurus, the thing that you think is this big hulking behemoth. Dilophosaurus was bigger than them. And it, you're like, that. this is just like the size of them is just crazy to think about. Wow. And all these new studies about dinosaur vocalization – like how they sounded mm -hmm. is even crazier because um like Dilophosaurus sounded like just pure nightmare fuel. If you like heard it in the dark, it would be like I would probably crap myself. But it also like sounded peaceful and elegant at the same time. That makes sense. It makes sense. <laughs> I wouldn't want to hear it in a dark alleyway at night, but if I heard it through like a five foot pane of glass, I would be very okay with it. <laughs> YouTube's not loading. I was going to play it, but unlike the, um, you've probably heard it too. I'm like, you just be like scrolling through Instagram and you'll see someone yeah. posted what this dinosaur sounded like and you get like spinosaurus and you're like that's not what i thought it would sound like at all yeah i've heard, I've heard it and it's just 
I find it just crazy that this giant creature would sound kind of like a hyena to me. I mean, I don't, I don't know. Maybe I'm the only one hearing that, but it kind of sounds like a hyena. I think I have the video saved somewhere. Um, because you got that like, because they also lived in like a swamp kind of area because they were in North Africa. Yeah. So you're like, you listen to it and you're like, if I heard that out in like a swamp, I I would be like horrified. Because I actually recently did an episode based on dinosaur vocalization where I basically took like a YouTube video that I found with just a like just a bunch of different dinosaurs vocalized and Booster revenue I and drive okay, you can pause that um I basically just listened and reacted to that and I mean some of them are just like that's not what I think that would that should sound like cuz like the even the T-Rex you're like it doesn't sound like what you think it should sound like It's got that weird, like, I don't even know what to call it. Here, I think I. Um, and it's just like, you don't expect it and you just hear it. And you're like, that doesn't sound right. But at the same time, it. Here, here it is. Um, maybe it'll go. It's quite a qual right now. Like that. Like, I was not ready for that whenever I heard – because everybody's like, oh, it probably made, like, an alligator hissing because it looked like an alligator. Nope. Horribly wrong. It's got, like, that weird bark to it. Yeah, it sounds kind of like a wolf. It, it does. And it's and – it, and it's also, like, you're like, that doesn't sound right. And one of my – personal favorites from this video was actually Dilophosaurus. Um, here.
I mean, like, I love the sound of it. No, it's, it it's, also it's has, like my heart racing at the same time. No, it's pretty peaceful. I kind of like that sound. It, it, it very much so is peaceful, but it's also like, it's like an eerie peaceful and it's really hard to describe. I feel like you'd hear that in a dream somewhere. Yeah, definitely. You're like just sitting there and you just hear that echo around you and you're like, because we're hearing it through like a YouTube video that somebody thinks this is what it sounded like. If it was like pitch black dark, you're in the middle of the woods and like five feet away, you hear that you're like, well, um, I'm going to start praying to somebody and hope I make it out of this alive. <laughs> I mean, it's very elegant and peaceful. Yet there's like an eerie feeling to it. And I, and I love that. Because I mean, I don't really, I think I felt my heart rate go up like five, five points a little bit there. Um, I mean, I can only imagine what like the actual fauna of like their time was. Yeah. Cause you think about like, there are so many species that we could just never know just because of how they were like hollow bone pterosaur bones are very rare because they were like hollow because they flied so much that like they're easy to grind away into like dust and then it's just gone forever and i always think about like what species are we not knowing because of that because of things like that and that is always it's always a little odd to think about like because also like you have like plants like Grass didn't exist then. Grass wasn't a thing. But yet, there was plants making the herbivores fed. But there must have been an abundance of it. And you get and you wonder what that plant is, where it was. Because if you find that, you could also find what herbivores fed on it. You could possibly find what carnivores fed on the herbivores. And that's always just super interesting to me. And like, this is one guy I follow on YouTube. He's, ah, oh God, I got to find his name real quick because I do not remember. Um, it's like Dino Facts or something. Yeah. Uh, yeah, at the Dino Facts. It's, and he'll just create an episode of like, here was the fauna, fauna of the Hell's Creek Formation. This is the evolution of the idea of Spinosaurus. And that'll just be the whole video. And it's like, I'm going to start stealing ideas from you. <laughs> um, 
because I actually have a model of both types of Spinosaurus, where it's bipedal and quadrupedal. I think the bipedal one looks very cool. It looks, it looks a lot like an alligator, in my opinion. A lot more like an alligator than maybe some of the other dinosaurs. Because you also had other dinosaurs that were in the same species. Like, you had, or not species, but like, genus like Suchiomimus and Baryonyx with that croc look, but I feel like Spinosaurus was very much so more crocodilian. And also speaking of Spinosaurus, while we're at it, I have one of the hand claws of a Spinosaurus. And this thing is massive. That thing's pretty big. It, the uh, little card that it comes with. Spinosaurus has tallest backbone of any dinosaurs up to seven feet. It had three claws on each hand. The largest was the thumb that was covered in a sharp fingernail. Adaptions, uh, yeah, adaptions in its skull, limbs, and tails indicate it lived in and around water despite a nearly hundred years paleontologist despite the nearly hundred years paleontologists have been learning about this animal in 2020 the rest of the tail was discovered and it de demonstrated the yeah basically saying that it could swim they discovered the tail of this thing and they're like it's probably more aquatic than we think and just the mat, just the sheer size of this claw is that just huge, massive, and that, um, and that's like a hand claw. I have Mega Raptor. I have a Mega Raptor claw, and that thing is. Yeah, I'm just gonna get it because I can't even like describe it. I mean, just the sheer size of this thing compared to, like, my hand. Yeah, that's huge. I mean, Mega Raptor was massive, and that's, like, the kill claw. So this, this was definitely its biggest claw. And I don't know if you find a lot of deer antler, but we get them a lot around here in South Carolina. Yeah, I get some fossilized ones. Fossilized ones. Uh, ours, this one isn't fossilized. This was just one that I found in the woods one day, I think. Yeah. So, deer shed their antlers, so I'm sure there's a lot of fossilized antlers. So, I guess, I mean, do you have anything else you want to discuss? I mean. No, man. You've been, honestly, the whole vocalization thing super interesting to me. I'm hoping to learn more about it as, like, the science continues around it. I, I love it. I love that study because, I mean, just to hear these creatures of like millions and millions of years ago, what they could have sound like. And it's just crazy to like try to wrap your head around that. There's people that 
that's their job. They're like, we're going to figure out how this thing sounded. And I, I think it's amazing. No, I think it's pretty cool too. Mm. Granted, it's still in the beginning stages because we're just recently getting the technology for that. Yeah. I mean, I'm definitely going to stay in touch with you. I love talking to you, man. And I love your content. I'm definitely going to keep up with it. Thank you. I appreciate it. And again, if you ever want to come out to North Carolina and do a dive with us, the season's coming up in around a little around a year, six months, a year. So it should be pretty cool. Gladly. I'm definitely going to make sure to take you up on that offer because that is something that I would, that I basically dream of doing. So getting that opportunity is truly amazing. What I wouldn't give to do it again, to uh, have that first experience a second time. I mean, I've had I've haven't had my first experience with that, so I don't know what to expect. I don't know what I'm going into. So I'm just excited, nervous, all of the feelings, just all the feelings. Yeah, that's how it is. It's going to be one of the most amazing things, hopefully. I mean, so. If that's all, I guess I'll let you be on your way. All right, cool, man. No, thank you. This, this, this was super interesting. It's definitely a very deep intellectual conversation that I hope to have again. I Definitely. And I hope to be able to interview again. And I can't wait to till you get that museum up. And I definitely want to come visit that. So It's coming soon. Actually, after this, I have to put more stuff in the warehouse. That's what I was doing before this. Got to unload some more cool bones. I'll send you a video of some of the bones while I'm doing that. That that's gonna be awesome. So I guess I'll let you be on your way because you're a busy, busy man. So I guess. Thank you for having me, man. I guess I'm logging off, but I'll hope to see you guys again soon. My my pleasure, man. I loved it. So see you. Peace. So that was Sergey Markov. I probably just butchered his name. Uh, Sergi Mikhailov. Sorry, man. He's probably gonna listen to this and hear me butcher his name. I'm so sorry, man. But I had it was an honor having you on the channel. Please, I'm begging y'all go check out his content. Like he said, he's on TikTok too, so go check that out. I'm going to definitely download TikTok right after this and just go check out your content because I know I know you're gonna watch this episode. So there's his Instagram for anybody and. While you're at it, go check out my Instagram too. I'm going to start posting on TikTok as soon as I get that too. So go check out my Instagram, my TikTok. Not my TikTok yet. Go check out the Instagram. Um, while you're at it, go check out the – probably should have had all this stuff open. Go check out the YouTube too because that's where I try to upload things early and – Definitely go check out the website, which is the hub for everything. And that's where I put everything. It was an honor having him. I'm definitely going to get in touch with him. Go do that fossil expedition in North Carolina with him. That's definitely something I'm going to have to do. Um, I'm definitely going to get him back on the show one day. Probably real soon. Um but till then, 
thank you all so much for watching and enjoying this and having the, and thank you for giving me the opportunity, man, to interview you. And I'm looking forward to future contact. So I'm your host, Eric Crawford. Signing off. Remember, keep it prehistoric. Goodbye. Thank you.